You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at Romans chapter 4. How many were you here this morning? Now, if you were not here, I really want to encourage you. You have got to get this morning's message. I know I say that often, and I probably will say it on every message I speak. We are, what I spoke about this morning is a vital, vital, vital message for every believer to know. If we're going to walk in faith, we need to know what faith is and how God called us to walk by faith. And so we had a look at Abraham and how he walked in that faith. And we saw some very key ingredients that I want to invoke and inspire for all of us to see tonight. Because if we can get these things right, sometimes people look at men and women of God that walk by faith. And I, you know, I know when I first got saved, there was times when I would be praying for something and trusting God for something. And it's like I needed it yesterday. You know, <laughs> when is this ever gonna happen? And, and in times of desperation, I would sometimes think, if I can get, just get to Pastor Theo and have him pray, I know his faith will work. And, and it's like you, you, you say, you know, I know at least he'll get the job done. But how do you know God's called each and every one of us to walk by the faith that he gives us? Faith comes by hearing, not by getting your pastor to pray for you. And there is a place we pray in agreement but if we're going to pray in agreement, you need to agree with me. I can pray and lay hands on you till I've rubbed every hair off your head. If, 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 if somebody doesn't agree with that prayer, it's not going to work for them. That's right. Amen. That's why if someone comes to me, please pray for me, Pastor. Well, what do you want me to pray? Just pray. There's, I don't know what you're expecting. What, what's your agreement? I can only pray to the level of your expectation. It's not like, you know, just because I pray, God says, oh, it was passed out, and okay, then we must do it. No, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, verse 6. For he, who's he, that's you, the person who comes to God, must believe that he is, and believe he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And so each one of us have to operate by our own level of faith. There is a, there is a ministry of intercession, and that's very often where a person may be in a position that wouldn't be able to speak on their behalf or maybe they're in a situation they're about to get into trouble but God's not getting through to them. He'll call on someone else to call the word and he will honor that as well. But largely, whatever we receive has to come from our position of faith. And if we don't understand that, then we are the ones that can stop that faith from working. So it's not like you don't have faith, but if your faith is weak, if your faith is what the word says, there's dead faith. What is dead faith? It's faith without action. So if faith comes by hearing, and it does according to Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That means whoever hears the word has faith. Even your total atheist, you've heard me say this many times before, absolute atheist, hears the word of God. He has faith, but it's not going to be able to work. The Bible talks about dead faith. So it is faith, but it doesn't have any action to it. There's what we call shipwrecked faith. It had the faith, but then it ran up against some rocks. <laughs> and now it's broken. It talks about weak faith. 
you're getting this. There's different levels of, be, of faith. Now, we want the faith we have to work. And that's what we're doing. I'm saying, what, are, what is it that can stop that faith from working? And so we can get into a place where we can see, I have the faith, but now I want it to work. And when I discovered what I'm going to share tonight, and if I don't get through it all tonight, we'll spend some time with it. But there are certain keys that I've learned in my Christian life from that place of thinking, if I can just get Pastor Theo to pray for me. But there was a transition where now today, where Jesus said, if you will speak to this mountain and you tell it to be removed, but you don't doubt in your heart, but believe that whatever you say shall come to pass, you will have what you say. And today I am thoroughly convinced I'm in a place that when I speak, it happens. Now, I still, there's still people that say, well, I just don't, that's, that's that weird religion or that's this Christian scientist or it comes from a, you know, mysticism or whatever. Now, hang on, we're talking about what Jesus said. I said, Jesus said that. Amen. And this is not something that just happens by accident. It's not, you know, that... It might work and it sometimes does and sometimes doesn't. No, I'm in a place where it works every time. You, you know when a pilot puts his airplane on a runway, he doesn't sit there nervous, palm sweating. I hope this works today. I wonder if this is going to work this time. Uh, you know, I'm going to try fly this plane. You don't try fly a plane. No, he can gun those engines up, let the brake go. Plane starts running down the runway. Halfway down, he gets doubt, unbelief. You know, I, I don't know. Is it, uh, what if it doesn't lift off? So he slows down. Okay, you can do this. You can do this. Okay, let's go again. Speeds up. And all of a sudden, no, no, maybe, maybe. If he, if he, if he goes down the runway like that, he's going to crash. Isn't that right? A pilot has no fear. Engines full blast. Brakes off. Let's go. That thing picks up speed. It Chung, 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 chung. That, that speed multiplies until eventually he's going so fast that if he doesn't come off this ground, he's going to crash into everything that's in front of that runway. But he just sits there calmly, pulls back on that yoke, and that plane lifts every time. Every time. It's a law. It's a law. And the word talks about the law of faith. It's a law. It works as sure as any other law works. And if you can get this in your heart, which what we looked at this morning, and we saw what Abraham had discovered. Look at Romans 4 verse 13. The promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Come down to Verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to how many? All the seed. Who's that? That's you. The word says if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Bump your name and say you're listening to what God says about me. Tell him, it's okay. It's also about you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. 
not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He didn't say, I'm going to make you a father. I have. God's mind, it's done. Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world. In God's mind, the world is saved. I said, in God's mind, the world is saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord is saved. There's no one that will go and say, God, I want it. No, no, no. You're not one of the chosen. That's not going to happen. Whoever. Everyone say whoever. Whoever. Why? Because it's already done. God's mind, it's done. But you notice from the word this morning, it says that those who confess, it brings the salvation to pass. The manifestation is on the confession of faith. So God says, I've already made you. In God's mind, it's done. In God's mind, you are already healed. When he died on that cross, by his stripes, you were healed. On that cross, even though Jesus was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty, you can also make a poverty vow and live for him. Is that what he said? No, that through his poverty, you might be made rich. Say it's settled. It's finished. When he's hung on that cross, he said it's done. So everything God has for you is already established. See, this is where we need to understand faith is not telling God what to do. It's not like a magic of confession. Just because you say it now, magic, magic happens. No, it's bringing your speech in line with what God has already said. Once he's said it, it is settled. So if he said it and it's settled, the only one that can stop it is you and me. And as we studied this morning, that's what happened. God told him that I have made you a great nation. But you notice right up to the time when God got his speech in line with what he's saying, up to that time, they were trying everything possible to fall pregnant. I mean, we're talking about two old people here who the Bible says their bodies were dead. And so how are they going to fall pregnant? And that's eventually where Sarah says, if it's going to happen, then yeah, you, as my servant Hagar. Let's use her womb. And God didn't recognize that. Because we can try and do things in our own strength and our own ability. Why? Because in God's mind, it's already done. And so when it comes to faith, it's saying, if God has said it, let me line my confession with his confession. And when God told him at the age of 99 that from this day on your name is Abraham, which means the father of a multitude, when he changed his confession to say, I am now a father of the multitude, within three months Sarah was pregnant. Because the Bible says Isaac was born when he's 100. That's one year later. Have you ready for some suddenlies? You may have been waiting 25 years, but now it's time for it to happen now, this year. And he says, yeah, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, listen to this. In the presence of whom he believed, God gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's how God creates. 
When, he's, when you read in the beginning, when God said, let there be light, that's how it's translated into the English. But you study out the original Hebrew, it's worded, God said, light be. Not let there be light, like it's the third thing. No, God always addresses things as he wants them. Light! You don't see any light. Where's the light? But he calls it, it's, as far as he's concerned, it exists. Now, manifest. And what happened? It manifested. See, God talks to things. Jesus talks to things. He spoke to a tree. He spoke to the weather. You know, when it says there that he was in the storm, sleeping in the boat, the disciples woke him up, and their response was, Lord, don't you care? He's resting. He, what, what, how can you sleep in the boat when there's a storm? Now, family, I don't know if he was just a heavy sleeper, but if a, if, I don't know if any of you have been on a boat. I mean, you can be on a boat and you never mind a storm. It can just be rough weather. And you know, everybody's like looking at the edge. <laughs> but yeah, they're in a storm and Jesus is sleeping. Like I say, is he, is, he, is he really sleeping or is he just like lying there, but he's in a total rest? He does, he's not jumping up. Isn't that right? But when they got to him and said, Lord, don't you care? And what, did he, what was his answer? Where's your faith? Why? How can he do that? How, even though there's a storm, lie in the bow of a boat sleeping? Because he said, let's go to the other side. Are we on the other side yet? No, I can sleep because I said we're going. Nothing's, nothing, not the storm, nothing is going to stop us because I said we're going to the other side. He didn't say that as information. He made a declaration. We're going to the other side. And then he gets up and he shows them what they should have done. And he says, peace, be still. He didn't say, Father, stop the storm. Peace, be still. How many you know Rick Renner? Rick Renner is a preacher. His nickname's Greek Renner because this man knows Greek inside. He'll take one little word and spend 10 minutes unpacking the Greek and what it means because every word has purpose and he says the way that's written when Jesus got up and said peace be still this is the concept that brings across Jesus stood up and looked at that storm and went Shh. and it stopped can you do that? Shh. See, we want to bind and we want to stop and we want to come and I come against you, devil, and I bind you in the name of Jesus and you stop and I come on. We think the louder we shout, then the devil will listen. He had authority. I said he had authority. See, you, you shouldn't be sleeping in church, man. Jesus, when he spoke, expected it to happen. 
spoke to a tree, and he walked away. One sentence, walked away, didn't address it again. The disciples were shocked. The tree you spoke to, it, it died. And he says, what is the answer? Have faith in God. You have to get to a place. When you speak, you know it's done. So God calls things that are not as if though they are. You call the end result and then you rest. Who contrary, verse 18, to hope in hope believe, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. For those that weren't here this morning, the living Bible says Abraham never doubted. He never doubted. And like I said, when I first read that, I really, the man never doubted. This is some kind of superhero. Because every man I've ever spoken to and said, have you ever doubted? The answer is like, yeah, uh, we all do. There's going to be some doubt somewhere. But then I went to the Lord. And I said, how is it possible that a man can never doubt? And God showed me, said that doubt is not what happens in your head. It's what happens in your mouth. Your head will say things. Your head, that's where the enemy works. He works through thoughts. When you're standing for what God says... The devil will do everything he can. He'll point out that doctor's report. He'll make sure you, the next five videos that come up in your feed are all going to be doubt, unbelief, and why you should be dead now. Janine's testimony around her attack when COVID came, she had been watching various videos of, of things and testimonies that would happen, uh, of, of things that can go wrong, how people can die. And she just had to be watching, you know, learning about the disease. So when it hit her, the first thoughts were, that's it. But she knew the word of God and she had to root. She said she had to root that stuff out of her. She had to get all that the junk and that nonsense away. Family of God, we don't want to contaminate our minds with the junk and the unbelief that the world throws at us. We all get it. I've watched videos. I, that's why I'm very cautious about what I watch when, when people say, you should watch this person. Listen to what they said. Is, is it the word of God? No, they're speaking against. They're saying, I don't want to watch that. I don't listen. I, I, listen, is, there's very little you can bring me in terms of why people think that we should not be walking by faith. I mean, you know, there's enough junk out there speaking against the word of God. It's very, very, I, I don't think there's one thing you're going to come to. I say, I never heard that one. No, I know what, what all the arguments are against. Why? Because in the beginning, I used to watch it. But you know what I found out? 
It takes time to get faith in your heart. It takes time to build that concept that I, I know that God is and that He is a rewarder. I believe Him. And once you're at that place, there you are, there you're running by faith. It, it's, it's a self-energizing by the Spirit of God within you. You can sustain that. You hear a message of faith. Yes, you read it. Yes, you're in a place. Yes, yes. But I found just one wrong video. And every time you're ready to pray, ready to say something, that thought's there. That thought's there. It's a seed. It's a seed. The devil wants to now take you. I can see the way you're nodding. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's like you've got to really work hard to get that thing out. It, it takes a long time before you forget that you ever watched it. Why? Because it's constantly challenging. You sure? Or did God really say is it what you believe? Is it the right? Have you looked and, and pointing out things? What's he doing? He's trying to get you to let go of what God has said. So the thing is the enemy attacks us in our mind, attacks us in our heads, tries to get us to separate from the one giving us the word, encouraging our faith, try to get us separated from the word. But if we refuse to give in to that, no matter how strong that fear comes up, no matter how much we devil tries to get us, and he say, did you hear it? Get us in conversation. We might start, you know, innocent, talk about this one, talk about that one, talk about blah, blah, blah. Next moment, we're in there and start gossiping about someone, saying, did you hear about that one? And, 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 and all this kind of junk. And before you know it, we step back out of faith, and that can contaminate our faith. And if it comes out of our lips, Jesus said, why do you take thought saying? The thoughts will come, but don't take them. They're not your thoughts. I wish I could stop doubting. The only way is switch your brain off for the brain to stop thinking. You're going to think these things. That's not doubt. Tell yourself, no matter what I think, that's not doubt. I learned that as a younger. I used to be in a place where you're just minding your own business. You're just kind of minding, minding, just thinking, just, you know, meditating. But have you noticed suddenly your mind goes and goes somewhere it shouldn't be? And I used to think, oh, God, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be a Christian. Why can I even think that? Come on. Anyone ever been there? And I saw what the Lord said. He says, as long as you don't say it. Take that thought captive. Don't feel guilty about it. Because why are you upset about thinking it? Because really you don't want to. Isn't that right? None of us want to think it. So why did you think it then? Not because you don't want to. Because the enemy dropped the thought. That's where you should say, ah, ah, ah. Here is an educated Christian. I see. I know where these thoughts come from. So when it comes up in my mind, I'm not guilty anymore. I don't feel guilty anymore. I did it with my dream life. I mean, there's things that happened in my dreams. I thought, hey, you're supposed to be a Christian. You dream that? How are you willing to admit me? Uh -huh. 
You see, now we feel guilty. Like, it's like, you know, it's like a wife saying, how dare you dream that stuff? Who, who's Mary? <laughs> what do you mean, who's Mary? I don't know, last night, you're Mary, Mary, Mary. Well, who's Mary? I don't know who Mary is. Yeah, but you kept saying Mary last night. It could be Merry Christmas. I don't know. You want to blame me for something I'm doing when I'm fast asleep? So you wake up and you think, well, am I dreaming this now? I said, no, devil. Uh-uh. David said, the Lord speaks to me even in the midnight hour, even in my sleep. And I'm saying, my dream life does not belong to you any more than it does during the day as it does at night. I take it captive in the name of Jesus and I refuse to dream those things. And I make sure the last thing before I get into bed, I feed is the Word of God. The last, the last thing off my lips is, Father, I worship you and you give your beloved sleep. I am your beloved and you call it a sweet sleep and I receive sweet sleep tonight in Jesus' name. My dream life cleaned up. There's no more Marys anymore. No, no, no. <laughs> Hallelujah. You take your thoughts captive. Take the thoughts captive. Don't allow the enemy to steal this. Abraham never let it off his mouth. God says, I'm a father of nations. I don't care how we do this, honey, but I may be a hundred and you may be. <laughs> I mean, how are we going to do this? <laughs> Have you ever thought of it from Sarah's perspective? I mean, she still laughed. It's like you had prayer time with God and you come out, okay, hey, honey, we're having a baby tonight. You're like, God, come on. When, when last did we? You know, your body's been dead for a while. Sit this one out, young old man. I mean, he heard from God. She didn't. It's like, oh, yeah, God told you. Yeah. But then God addressed her. We're going to do this. Amen. Amen. But Abram, he wasn't moved. He didn't, his body was dead, but that didn't bother him. Why? He didn't allow it to contaminate his faith. Amen. Have a look at Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side. A great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Listen to his words. Lay hands on her and she will live. This man has faith. He's heard enough about this man, Jesus. He didn't say, I hope she'll be healed. He 
so she will live. So, Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. How long? And had suffered many things from, how many? Many physicians. And she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, if only I touch his clothes, I shall be made well. You hear the confessions. These people understand faith. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging, you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came down before him and told him, How much? How much? Twelve years of testimony. Back in 1948, I had... A, she's now telling the entire story. The first time she had this thing, and then she went to this doctor, and this doctor gave her this thing, and that didn't work. So I thought, okay, my friend says, go and see this doctor. And that doctor, man, he, he wanted to charge me like double. But, you know, I thought, no, I'm, I'm not going to him. So then no one said, I've got this great witch doctor down the road. Maybe that one can help. And no, and I wasn't going to go there, but I wanted to go to a good doctor. So my friend said, I know the best one in town. But, you know, he was really, really expensive. I thought, if I need this, I'm going to do this. Now, can you imagine Jairus? Okay, now. But Jesus is standing there. He's listening. The man just said his daughter's dying. But Jesus is going to let the man, let, let the lady speak. She's come a long way. She's gone through a lot of things. She needs to get it off her chest. And he's just standing there listening to the whole truth. You need to get a revelation of who your Jesus is. He knows rest. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. What faith is that? You said, you got it. Now go in peace, be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, your daughter is dead. What do you think is happening in this man's head at that moment. Anyone here have children? You know. Your daughter is dead. Maybe his first thought is, thank you very much, woman with the issue of blood. <laughs> if we had moved faster, we could have saved us. 
What is going in his head now? I'm here standing with the healer next to me and my daughter's dead. We on our way. We were on our way. Now listen. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler, do not fear. Only believe. Do not fear. Why? Why would he say that at that moment? Because he knows the next step from an announcement of death, the next attack is going to be fear. And Jesus addresses it. Do not fear. I know you're about to speak, but zip it. Do not let the next words out of your mouth. Just believe. Having believed, speak. If you're going to speak, make sure it's the word of God. Jesus stops the man from speaking. Why? Because he already said, she will live. Jesus not letting those words go. Yeah, but she's dead. Uh, you said your daughter will live. Now, don't give up on those words. He put a, he, and he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, John, and the brother of James. Why? Because at this moment, everyone is ready to mourn, wail, cry, complain, criticize. No. We're going with the believers. He came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. He saw a tumult. And those who wept and wailed loudly. And he came and said, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Oh, so now you're a doctor. No, this man made a confession. I'm holding heaven to it. And they ridiculed him. And he put them all outside. See, Jesus doesn't care about public opinion. See, when it comes to life and death, I don't care what anybody thinks. But I will not have doubt and unbelief in my ear. If someone cannot speak faith at a moment, at a critical moment, I don't even want them in the same room as me. Why? Because we, we're dealing with life and death here. He took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him. And he entered where the child was lying. And he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talita kumi. Which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked. She was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. Family, give Jesus praise. If you understand the necessity to stay focused on what he has said. Family God, I really, I want to encourage you tonight. Hear me as your pastor. You may look at somebody like I did at Pastor Theo. You may look at Janine and me and say, man, I wish I had faith like that. 
I know, I know Pastor Allen never doubts. Let me tell you, so that you know, I'm not saying this is a confession, just that you understand, in my head, things happen. I have the same thoughts you have. Why? Same devil. He doesn't treat me with kid gloves. He's going to try to take me down just as much he'll try to take anybody down. But you know what I have learned? I'll never let it out my lips. I'll never let it out my lips. I don't care. <laughs> my, my own, my whole body. I can feel someone. Uh, it's, it's a standard practice of mine. Most people know it by now who know me. They'll say, how are you? My answer is, I'm always well. I actually say it that way because I don't want to say, I'm okay, I'm great, I'm fine. No, I am always well. And I had somebody, I got onto an airplane one day, I'm walking down the aisle, and someone, you know, some people pack and you've got to kind of stand a while. And, okay, we, my seat's over there, but I've got to wait now. And so while I'm waiting, the guy next to me just having a look and says, Hi, how are you doing? I said, I'm always well, thank you. And he went, oh, really? <laughs> you see, you have someone who is being realistic. <laughs> just be real. You cannot get more real than my God. I am always well. Always well. I got that from the word of God. You remember the woman who's, she asked her husband to build a room for the man of God, Elisha. And he said, I want to bless her somehow because she's been a partner while she doesn't have a child. So he says, this time next year, you'll have a boy. He said, don't lie to me, man of God, because, you know, she was also barren. Well, but Rachi's in the year, she has a baby. And he grows up, he's out working one day, and he has a stroke or something, and he falls down dead. And dad brings her home, brings the boy home to his mother and says, your boy, he's dead. Now, in a mother's mind, your husband is handing a dead child into your hands. What would most mothers do? Come on, mothers. She takes that boy... And walks into his room, puts him on the prophet's bed, and she freshens up and walks out, and she says to her husband, I'm going to church. You what? It's the middle of the week. I got an appointment with a man of God. I have a word. And this is my interpretation, reading between the lines. He said, I have a boy, and right now he's lying in his bed. And she walks to the man of God and he sees her coming from afar. So he sends Gehazi, go find out from her what's the problem. The man runs up. Okay, you come and see the man of God. I just need to know what the meeting's about first. So, I, you know, what, what is it? She says, it is well. Oh, okay, well, let's go. <laughs> and, and keeps going everywhere they go. It is well. It is well. It is well. Gets to the man of God. What's happening? It is well. Okay, so why are you here? My boy is lying on your bed. You gave me a promise. Now you didn't give me a son that he leaves before I do. What are we going to do? Let's take me to him. And he lies on the boy, releases the anointing, 
and he's raised back to life. Yeah, give Jesus praise. We're going to do it. Here's the point. If she had broken down at that moment that the boy died and wailed and cried and mourned and wept and I don't understand this God. I just got a boy now. You know how much I wanted him. That boy would have been, would have stayed dead. Family of God, you don't give up. You don't give up. As long as there is hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Keep that faith alive. No matter what comes to challenge it, do not tolerate it. Refuse fear. The moment it shows up, you stop that thought. You stop that fear. Only believe. How do you believe? By speaking. By speaking. What do you say? What the Word of God says. That Bible is your new vocabulary. That's your new dictionary. If it's not in the book, it's not your vocabulary. You do not use words that are not in the Bible. You went quiet there. Maybe you weren't here this morning. Get the message. We're only going to speak God's word. Hallelujah. And as long as we're declaring God's word, that is belief. I have found in my life that if there were times that I wondered if there's a God, you know those please show me an angel moments? I just lifted my hands, said, God, don't be bothered by my thoughts. I know you're not, so I'm not going to either. I want you to know I believe you are. I worship you. I praise you. That is counted by God as you believing. It's what you said. It's what you said. And that's easy, isn't it? Because you control what you said. Even though you may not be able to control your thoughts, you can control what you say. So make that decision today. You only say what God says. Amen. Amen. Did you get something? Come on, let's give Jesus praise. Give him praise. Hallelujah for his word. Let's stand together. Say this, my words are God's words. God's words are my words. I use his word to declare what I need to see happen in my life. I refuse death. I refuse doubt. I refuse unbelief. I refuse failure. I refuse sickness and disease. I refuse all thoughts that would try to contradict God's word. I only speak what I've seen him say. What he said is what I say. I believe his word. I believe God's word is yes and amen. As long as I am focused on God's word and keep saying what he said, I will have what he has. In the presence of God, I believe. And I Never doubt. Now that statement there alone, 
I've heard a preacher from a pulpit say, don't, 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 don't teach people to say, never, I never doubt, because you know you do doubt. No. We need to define what doubt is. I never doubt, because I make a decision not to let it off my lips. I hope that's come across, because I, I want to just keep saying it for someone who still doesn't quite get it. It happens in the head, but don't let it out the mouth. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Every time Jesus moved, every time something happened, it was in response to what someone had said. Once they spoke, he went, okay, let's go. Isn't that right? He never ever tried to correct. No, hang on now. We need to first find out if this is God's will. No, you said it. Okay, well, let's go. He's still doing that today. Amen. I said he's still doing that today. Amen. Amen. 